your host for this episode. Thank you for listening today, and I plan on finishing that cliffhanger of a tale about our move from Virginia to the Missouri Ozarks that you heard last time. So, where was I? Marie, the former child star of Middle Tennessee, runway fashion model of New York City and Miami fame, world traveler, had sold us her farm in September and had finally got her ducks in a row. She was so excited to be moving to Florida where her daughter and her mother lived. She was even going to be taking a high school senior with whom she had fostered, who was now 18, and was free to be out of the system and planned on living with Marie as an adopted daughter. On December 2nd of 2005, not three weeks before she was supposed to move, Marie was killed when her car ran into the back of a dump truck full of gravel that had pulled out onto the highway from the local quarry. Police think she was distracted, or had likely turned around in her seat to do something with the two foster kids in the back, you know, don't make me turn around, when she slammed into the truck, killing her. The siblings luckily only sustained minor injuries. It was just tragic. Marie's daughter came up from Florida to take back a few things, including Marie's parrot, and disperse of the personal effects. The high school student who had planned on going to Florida with Marie ended up moving in with the school's art teacher and her family to finish out the school year. Blind Hog flew out after the holidays. He had to change the locks on the house as people kept coming and going from the farm. When Blind Hog arrived, one of the refrigerators was gone, and there were still old clothes left behind. The house looked ransacked. It was winter, and the water lines needed to be turned off and drained. He talked with the realtor, who arranged for a woman to come and clean up the place before we would move out. It was about all we could do, as we still had several months before we would arrive. Our house in Virginia was on the market, but we didn't have any offers, and planned on leaving even if the house was not sold. When we moved here, we did it ourselves. We packed everything into a 53-foot intermodal container that went from truck to rail and then back on a semi-chassis. We had a week to load up the trailer after it was dropped off in the backyard, and it was packed full. Blind Hog even had a load of 2x4s, 1x6s, sheets of plywood, sheets of aluminum, angle iron, the big sculptures that were in our yard, household goods, I mean everything. Our one and only daughter, the Badger, was in 5th grade and in Girl Scouts. Hearing how we were going to be loading the trailer by ourselves, her troop leader offered the services of her father, Charlie, a retired veteran, to help Blind Hog load the trailer. Simply put, Charlie was a lifesaver. While I was at clinic in the hospital, Blind Hog and Charlie worked like ants. 
packing the trailer full. Bonus for us was that anything we didn't want, Charlie would take. Then, magically, the trailer was full. The doors closed and padlock put on, just two days before we planned to leave. And here we were, on the brink of a new adventure, but it was bittersweet for me. I was also leaving behind a great practice. Hired fresh from nursing graduate school, I was a certified nurse midwife, and that was my first big job. For two and a half years, I gained experience and confidence as a nurse midwife under their supervision. And now, I was leaving? Well, back in September, on a trip downtown for coffee one lovely afternoon with one of the doctors, she had made a joke. Well, at least you aren't going to leave us like so-and-so did. And I guiltily looked away, but she'd seen my face. The cat was out of the bag. Marie had just accepted our offer on the farm, and I was going to wait a while before I let the practice know. My friend was surprised, mad, and then, of course, the rest of the practice found out. Shortly after I left, the group disbanded and each started their own office or joined in with others. Life went on, and I would like to think that it was a win-win for everyone. I secretly think that they realized my bedside manner might have been more suited for a large animal veterinary practice than, as I perceived, fancy frou-frou women and their fashion doulas. Looking at the National Midwifery Directory, I saw that there were midwives practicing in Missouri, and I didn't think it would be too hard to seek employment later once we were settled. Yeah, right. Well, back to the day we were leaving. Just as we were getting loaded to depart, and I mean literally go, the realtor called and said she had an offer. Blind Hog and I looked at each other and nodded emphatically. We told her we'd take it, which stunned her. What? Don't you want a counter? No, really, we're good with it, we told her. So we waited for an hour and they brought the paperwork for us to sign. We left the East Coast and considered it a sign from the gods. The trailer container had been packed full, but we still had more stuff to take. Each of our two pickups hauled a trailer behind it. Blind Hog towed the 16-foot flatbed trailer with the Massey Ferguson tractor, a chest freezer, assorted implements, big tools, and the mailbox strapped on top. I towed a car carrier with the old Volvo station wagon, and inside the Volvo, the house plants, chickens, and the cats. Ruby the dog rode with me, and our daughter the badger rode with Blind Hog. She had no idea about the culture shock that was about to unfold. From a small North Carolina college town to suburban Virginia, and now out to a rural Ozark school that had just 40-some kids in her grade, and only 12 of them were girls. Bed of each pickup truck were our goats. Blind Hog's F-350 had a camper top in the bed, and in the back of the woman's truck the F-250, was a wooden tote box we finished putting together at midnight the night before we left. Our neighbor behind us gave me a bag of daffodil and hyacinth bulbs, some she had taken from her own mother's garden. Plant these when you get to your farm and think of me, 
I'll truly miss watching your daughter from my kitchen window. You have been lovely neighbors. Jean's daffodils are the scrambled egg variety that have lots of compound petals. They are as lovely as she is. We looked like the Beverly Hillbillies in caravan form. It took two days to drive out west. The trip was uneventful, if you don't count the torrential rain and tornadoes in Middle Tennessee on the first night. We had stopped for gas and had seen all the news trucks with their satellite vans parked, looking over at the horizon, but we kept going. We stopped east of Nashville and found out about the tornadoes later. The next day, all was peachy until we were at Cairo, about to cross the rivers on old iron bridges that were scant wide enough for two tractor trailers to meet. In fact, side mirrors from the semis littered the roadway across the bridges. Blind Hog called me on the cell phone saying, Oh, how relieved he was that we had crossed the narrow bridge. Oh, wait, I told him, that was just the first one. The second was longer and seemed even more narrow. As tractor trailers approached, all you could do was look out your side mirror and make sure your tires were as far off to the right as you could allow, grip the steering wheel, and hope for the best. From there, it was just four more hours and we made it to the farm. It was sunny and the red buds had just begun to bloom. The grass in the yard had grown up, which was fine. Right after we got the chickens into the coop Marie had next to the old rock dairy barn, we unrolled the portable net fencing and unloaded the goats. They happily began grazing under the light of the security lamp in the yard. Opening up the old farmhouse, it was cold, and I'd said before there was no heat that could be left on. And even though the lines had been drained, the water lines had, of course, busted during the winter, but a neighbor fixed them after the cleaning lady came to find that there was no water when she turned the well pump on. Well, almost fixed. We found a few more leaks once we got here. Even with all the cleaning that she could accomplish, the smell of cat pee would not get out of the carpet. With no water in the house, she had to tote water from the spring up the hill in order to do her job. All the junky clothes and old furniture that she couldn't find a home for, she piled one by one into the old silo foundation and burned them. The only heat in the house was a wood stove with the leaky flue pipe. The oven, or entire stove for that matter, didn't work. It had been burned up. There was an old spare fridge in the covered side porch that when plugged back in, it did its job just fine. For the first few nights, we slept on air mattresses with blankets, and then, of course, it dropped below freezing, even though it was April. I pulled the woolly sheepskin seat covers from the Volvo and added them on top our blankets. A couple nights later, we bravely fired up the wood stove. We thought we would have some time to get ourselves organized a little before the container was delivered, but no, it came earlier than expected, and we had to get it completely unloaded in just a few days. Not like the week we had planned. Not only that, the driver had to take back roads from St. Louis to the farm, 
because the container was grossly overweight. He was stunned. They weighed it several times. The driver got a bit of a bonus from us after he brought it out, as he could have refused the haul. Once the driver had the container on our gravel road, he called us, and we showed him the way to the house. Uh, no, there was no way his truck and trailer would be able to make it up our drive, let alone make any of the turns. This was the first time our neighbors to the west, who just happened to be the realtors who sold us the farm, let us use their drive to access their property via a pasture gate along the property line between us. Luckily, the ground was dry, the turns in their driveway weren't too tight, and the overweight truck didn't sink into the deep grass as it drove across the field. The container on chassis was unhitched and the driver left, saying he would make sure he was the one to come back because he knew where we were. The next few days, we toted everything out using the pickups across the field, down to the house, and to the old rock dairy barn. The badger was taken to school, but the principal said they were getting ready for standardized testing, and could she please wait another week or so before enrolling? Well, no problem, she said. Later, the school bus would come to our mailbox at the end of the driveway, pull in, pick her up, and turn around and head back to town. Verlin drove her for the next six years, except when the road was flooded and the bus couldn't make it. And during those times, she was not counted absent on account of the roads. The school, and I say that collectively because the elementary, middle school, and high schools all shared the same property and are lined up in a row, five miles from the farm, but in a different county. Back in Virginia, there was a small school very close to us, but it was across a county line. For Badger to attend, we would have had to pay several extra thousand dollars a year, which we were unwilling to do. Here, it was like the different school boards drew circles. Kids within the drawn circle range attended the closest school, regardless of the county line. The school portion of our property taxes go back to the county with the school. No double payment like they wanted in Virginia. Blind Hog and Acorn is supported by listeners like you. No, really, just like PBS. We need listener support to make this podcast available to our listeners, and you can do this easily, and it does not cost money. First, go back to wherever it is that you sign up for your podcasts and subscribe to Blind Hog and Acorn. Second, and just as important, is to give us a rating. Ratings and subscriber numbers are how podcast hosting companies compute their ratings. The more subscribers and better the ratings, the higher the rankings go. Help Blind Hog and Acorn subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating. Our realtor neighbors had a pole barn built with a traditional stick-built house attached. We liked the quality of the construction and wanted the same, knowing the old farmhouse was not worth the money to renovate. Unlike our neighbors, we wanted the house as part of the pole barn, not simply attached to it. 
Blind Hog talked to the building supply engineer, and using the magic software, they came up with a modified pole barn that could double as a residence. In addition, we needed a second regular pole barn to put up to house the tractor and future hay bales. Plans were finalized, orders made, and that July, the construction boss and his crew exceeded our expectations. The owner of the construction company was a man with a penchant for cowboy church, an unabashed tenor singing voice, and a way to do math calculations that completely confounds anyone watching. Raised without any schooling, his father kept him from and would not let him attend school, He learned by doing, and his batter boards were square within a quarter of an inch. The driveway again was too twisty and narrow for the trusses to be delivered. They were like 60, 80 feet wide. So our realtor neighbor allowed the semi-truck to come up their drive and through the gate where our pastures adjoin. It was a bit rainy this time, and the ground was wet when the trusses were delivered, The construction boss had to use his skid steer to help bring the trusses around some tight turns. The good thing about a pole barn is that the supporting walls are all on the outside. After the sides were up, the roof and sheet metal siding on, it was done as far as the crew was concerned, and it was our turn to finish off the house. I have to say, it took a couple years, but working slowly and around other farm chores, we were able to finish off the interior spaces the way we wanted. An open floor plan with living area and kitchen combined. A separate pantry laundry room. Two bedrooms with full baths and a guest room and half bath. Half the building is living area and the other half is workshop. Cement was poured for the workshop floor, but we wanted a softer wood floor in the living area. Blind Hog dug footers and set the floor joists, and we laid subflooring after all the plumbing lines were run. Speaking of plumbing, in the meantime, the old septic tank failed, and we had already emptied it twice. Nothing will get you wanting a new septic tank in line when raw sewage is boiling up from your yard. The old tank we found was nothing more than a rusty steel box. A new tank was installed, a nice long drain field line laid. The problem was solved. A trip to the lumber mill netted us some markdown hardwood flooring that was being discontinued. Brazilian hickory, it is beautiful and harder than oak. We bought what we needed and installed it ourselves. We had not laid hardwood floor before, and we think we did a fairly good job. I told Blind Hog that I was done with drywall, and we covered the walls and ceiling with corrugated sheet metal. The good thing is you know where the studs are, you just have to look for the screws. And you can put magnets anywhere. Thick foam insulation was sprayed on the outside walls, and the attic was full of chopped polyfluff. The house is insulated to the max. So now we have several pole barns the pole barn house and workshop, the hay barn where we store hay in the tractor, and we later added a smaller pole barn that I called the dairy barn, where the dairy goats live. There's also the old goat barn, which is a rusty tin-covered pole barn, home-built in 1980, 
at least I think it was, 1980 is what's etched in the cement in one corner. How it is still standing is a miracle in itself, and that's where Marie kept her hay. The Rock Dairy Barn is now the welding shop. There's also the smaller Pig Barn, where owners before Marie had a farrowing operation, breeding sows and selling off the little piglets. That building now is used for garden storage, our chicken coop, and the goose pen. It could only house ten sows, so it's not like one of those huge farrowing operations you might be used to seeing. The old farmhouse, built in 1940, is about to collapse after being vacant for 11 years. The roof has gaping holes and the floors have fallen in and the ridge line is slumped. We can't burn it because of big oak trees that hang overhead, so we're just waiting for it to implode and then we'll haul it off in pieces. Refenced the entire 80-acre perimeter of the farm with woven wire cattle field fence, replacing the four or five strands of barbed wire, which definitely would not keep a goat contained. The lower 40 acres are also subdivided into smaller fenced-in pastures and paddocks, but the upper 40 acres is still woods with an area of natural rocky glade. I'd like to remove as many of the invasive cedar trees from the glade, as glades are an important but fragile ecological habitat. So many ideas, so few hours in a day. Well, I think that will do it for today. In future episodes, I'll tell you all about our livestock, the garden, the joys and sorrows of cutting hay, keeping bees even. We can even walk down to the driveway and identify all the wildflowers, it is a quarter mile long, and do some birding while we're at it. If it's a rainy day, I might bake some bread or even make a cheese. Who knows? Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and rate us, and I hope you come back to visit real soon. Take care, 